Okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I'm <Hello>. Ashley Allen. <laughs> I'm Kelsey Furlong. And we're back, guys. Back to talking <laughs> about conspirituality. After last episode, we talked about family and grief and holidays. And I definitely, well, my dog is squeaky toys, maybe not for right now. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway we're we're back to our usuals but we will also be switching it up and talking about a lot more things in the coming season after this year so exciting stuff coming up for us yeah i don't know that we have like a usual i think actually we are trying not to have kind of a, a usual there's joni with the squeaky toys again um <laughs> to make sure that you know we can bring in anything that feels relevant in any given moment and have the flexibility to do so. And that feels exciting and expansive. So I'm excited about this conversation, um, this topic of apocalypse porn, as Ashley has coined it <laughs> so brilliantly. And I'm like loving the drama about that. But, but using that concept as a way to talk a little bit more about fear in general. This is a topic I've been really dealing with through the entire pandemic. And this topic for the podcast came about when I stumbled across this post from the local Rose, Shiva Rose, who has a beauty line, a holistic beauty line, which uh, I've used in the past. I like her beauty line. That's a total aside to this. <laughs> and I know that she has experienced like autoimmune and vaccine injury in her life. And I'm not negating that that is a real thing because it definitely is. However, during the pandemic, she seems to be really in the kind of extremism anti-vax camp. And this is not a podcast about vaccines. We still plan on doing that at some point, which is a whole other thing. So just a disclaimer, this is not about that. I just know that that's her background and I think that's relevant to her post. All right, so I will read it. It says the collapse, and then she uses the white dove emoji. It says, I keep having this vision, the world almost empty of humans, the technology that is killing us barely operating, the government systems crumbled like Rome, falling, but from a parasitic enemy within itself. And then within that dystopian world, a new one where we learn how to heal our bodies, our minds, our spirits. We begin to go back to the herbs, homeopathy, and practices that the medical system run by Rockefeller try to completely wipe out. I have nothing against modern medicine as long as the doctors are obeying the Hippocratic oath and not the religion of pharma. For myself though, what cured years of agony and inflammation was food shifts, supplements, detoxes, and adding a spiritual connection. And then there's that white dove again. Interesting, the ones I have long, deep, touching conversations with are former Soviet or Eastern Bloc immigrants and refugees from war-torn places. We may be the canaries in the coal mine, us who have escaped totalitarianism, us who came to America and got overwhelmed with the choices of so many cereal varieties in the supermarket. We feel the shadow hovering around. We feel the subtle shifts where there is an uneasy expectancy. We are the ones who survived destruction in the past. When the Iranian revolution occurred, when I was a child, we lived under martial law. We lived with no electricity, only ate canned foods. We escaped in the dead of night on an airplane and then got caught, so we were held on the border as prisoners. 
we finally were able to get to Germany and then the USA. When we landed on the soil here as a child, I learned quickly the price of freedom. I felt too early the reality that not all the world is free. The winds of communism are here. It disguises itself as wokeness, race wars, mandates, climate, censorship. So we begin to release our sovereignty in the name of the quote, good of others. And I think every child and an adult today should go listen to the Northern Korea escapee. And then she tags this person that I'm not familiar with, ASAP. See what living under evil is like. She feels the echoes of the beast in the USA today. Listen to her. Listen to mothers who have children lost to mandated jabs. Listen to us who place all in the line in the name of liberty and truth. Listen. And then a little white dove. I was going to say there better be another white dove. Sure is. Mm, it wraps sure it up is. pretty nicely. You know, it's so interesting rereading this because I've read this a couple times now, how emotional I felt reading it. And I, I think that's so relevant to what we're trying to bring into this conversation today is how activating this statement and statements like this are. It's meant to hit and it does. Mm -hmm. Before we go any more deeply into the conversation, you know, I want to also state again um, for anyone who's new here or just as a reminder, I also have a lot of medical trauma with the fibromyalgia and being diagnosed bipolar when I was 21 and a lot of experiences around that, that, you know, this perspective, it's not that far off for me in a lot of ways, but the way that it's written is so curious to me. The, the first statement, the first two words are the collapse. Yes. And then followed by, I keep having this vision, the world almost empty of humans. Just want to unpack that a little bit. I think there's <laughs> been this dystopian romanticism going on that you know, these vaccines are here for population control and they're going to wipe us all out. And then technology is going to turn itself inside out. And then we're all going to live back to the land on these holistic homeopathic communes. And um, I'm going to go so far as to say that's not going to happen. You know, I, I would agree with that. And <laughs> I don't think that we want that to happen either. No. And, and the fact that it's not going to solve our problems. Yeah. The fact that people do want that and think that that is the answer to getting on the other side of this pandemic, or it's just wildly simplistic to me. You know, the fact that your sort of hope for the future is the collapse of civilization you know, I get it on some level, of course, because there's so many systems in place that are just brutal and racist and sexist, and I'm in no way, shape, or form defending them. But I feel like there's this undercurrent of, you know, we're all going to die. Everyone's going to die. If you don't get vaccinated, you're going to die. If you get vaccinated, you're going to die. And it's so extreme. And the fear is palpable on both sides. And again, I don't know why at this point I'm surprised at this, but it's so interesting to me when people who I find spiritual and intelligent and well-versed worldly take on this kind of rhetoric. It's nonstop fear. And you come to spirituality, you come to 
these holistic spaces to feel in your body and grounded and it turns out to be anything but then you have people scaring the shit out of you. I remember, I don't know if it was on a podcast or something, but Shaman Durek was saying how he predicted that there was going to be an earthquake in New York City. And so many teachers, I mean, if you look at every conspiracy theory that's come out in the two years, just the, the fear, the, the in such fear. And then it's the accusation that the mainstream media is fear run, which I don't disagree with at all and that's a whole other I mean the moral bankruptcy of headlines news is a whole other brand of apocalypse born (laughs) which we can which I think we can talk about because it's only fair I mean it is not normal it is not accurate and it is not healthy to be having breaking emergency news alerts at all times I simply am just calling to attention that that narrative of extreme fear exists on both sides of the coin. Yeah, absolutely. And since this podcast is a lot about unpacking what we feel is unethical and spirituality and spiritual communities and with our own experience, we are talking about it in this context today. Yeah. The other, the other thing that keeps coming up to me as I'm looking more and more, I'm listening to you and I'm looking at this, this statement, which we'll put in our stories and we can link to this post or figure out a way to get people so they can actually read it. I know if I listen to things, sometimes I actually want to look at it too, so I can make sense of what I'm feeling as I'm hearing the words um, to spend some time with it. But I guess what I'm, what I'm struggling with as I'm looking at this, the word totalitarianism keeps jumping out at me. And it's because there is this, this extremism that is coming through in the rhetoric around all of this, it's this all or nothing way of thinking, right? And so much of what you and I are trying to do through these conversations is bring through nuance and bring through this kind of cultivation of both and thinking and being a little less binary and thinking that if it's not this way, it's gonna be this other way. You know, either we're all, doing whatever the fuck we want with, with complete and total liberty, or we are under uh, an authoritarian or totalitarian regime. And I just, I also think that that is really problematic because it feeds paranoia. And oh, yeah, I've been reminding myself, okay, so in, in my personal life, I'm experiencing something right now that's bringing up an extreme amount of uncertainty for me. And really, really, really triggering some fear and anxiety in my life. I'm feeling really, really vulnerable in this situation. And the other day I, I wrote on my Twitter, uh, just as a reminder myself, it says note to self, it's okay to be uncertain. It's not okay to be paranoid. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and now I feel like it's a good time. So I'm reading Brene Brown's new book, which is Atlas of the Heart. And it's fantastic. Um, as a, as someone who is really passionate about linguistics and language in general this the whole concept of this book is the way that language shapes our human experience and and helps us or hinders us in our quest for connection and she breaks down all of uh these emotions through her research and she what she wrote about fear i really want to share because we're talking about fear right now and again not going to this all or nothing place, neither of us is saying 
fear is bad. We need to wipe it out um, because that's not healthy. But we are also wanting to bring into the conversation. There are people who will exploit, who are exploiting your fear and your sense of vulnerability, especially through the changes that we've been seeing societally over these last years, not just with the pandemic. But if I look back even further to about 2015, you know, when when we were starting to feel a little bit more political unrest and Donald Trump first came onto the scene as a, you know, candidate or potential candidate, and we were really starting to see some more of our societal shadows come to the surface. Anyway, it's not new. That's my point is it's not new. There's always been fear, but it's it's looking a little bit different now. So I'm just going to share what Brene writes in this book. She says, throughout evolutionary history, anxiety and fear have helped every species to be wary and to survive. Fear can signal us to act or alternatively to resist the impulse to act. It can help us to make wise, self-protective choices in and out of relationships where we might otherwise sail mindlessly along, ignoring signs of trouble. Like all of the experiences in this book, both our anxiety and our fear need to be understood and respected, perhaps even befriended. We need to pull up a chair and sit with them, understand why they're showing up, and ask ourselves what there is to learn. Dismissing fear and anxiety, and this is the part of the statement that I think is really important, Dismissing fear and anxiety as not useful to our quest for connection is as dangerous as choosing to live in constant fear and anxiety. And I love this statement because she she brings it back to the center, right? We have the two sides, the extremes, or the polarities, if you will, depending on your preference for the languaging here. One side being dismissing fear and anxiety, and the other side being living in constant fear and anxiety. And so much of what we're seeing in these spiritual realms right now and in conscious leadership or whatever we're all calling it these days, uh, new paradigm thinkers, new paradigm leaders, new era, new age, whatever. It's so much about driving through constant fear and it's manipulation. And it's really, really sick. Just want to call it what it is. It's insidious. It is. It is insidious. And I'm going to go so far to say I don't believe that everyone's intentions are insidious. It in itself. I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't think so. Because it's interesting when she's talking about her experience as an Iranian immigrant and Mm -hmm. in the Iranian revolution and obviously the violence and trauma she experienced as a child and how that impacts her belief and mistrust of government and politics. And I think that I am not saying those are invalid at all um, in no way, shape or form. And I can't speak to that whatsoever. And I wouldn't even try. Yep. And I just want to point out that, you know, I, and we posted something about this the other day that a lot of leaders you have to keep in mind that they are also looking through the lens of their own trauma yep, and their own fear. And we have a really interesting relationship to intuition in the spiritual community where our intuition is treated like law, like the truth, this notion of trust yourself, trust your intuition, trust that above all other things. And while I 
believe that you should trust yourself before and above all things, we also have to recognize that intuition is a complicated concept and it is not about just receiving information from the ethers. And even when you are, if that's something that you do, it is also complicated and it is not an untainted channel. Yeah. And I think it's really important to remember that when people are speaking through fear and they're sharing their experiences about what's going on in this pandemic, it's really important to just keep in mind that they have their own experience and that you don't have to adopt that just because they are trusting their intuition. And again, I'll say intuition is a mix of experience, knowledge, the way that we see the world, the way that we've experienced the world, trauma, our nervous system, and is there higher consciousness mixed into that? Sure, but it is a melting pot of many things that creates our sense of intuition. And we have to ourselves recognize that when we're stating things as fact in the name of intuition, we have a lot of work to do on, our, on ourselves to unpack that truth, you know, before kind of stating it to others. I think that's what's so tricky about people who are spiritual and religious leaders is their intuition, their relationship to God, their relationship to spirit, their interpretation of the messages. It is not without their human experience. It is not yeah. without their human pain. And I just urge everyone to remember that everyone is just another person. Yeah, I, I think that that is such an important thing to remember is that we're all, we are meaning making machines as humans. It is what we do <laughs> to make meaning out of what we're experiencing. And each of us is making meaning through a very individual lens. And, you know, when I look at something like this post, there is truth in there. And I respect this person's fear. I respect the experience that she's had that has shaped this lens that she's looking through that is, you know, bringing forth the message that she's bringing. And I know that my work for myself is not to let it affect me in such a way where I'm taking on her fear also where I'm then starting to go, like I said, to a place of paranoia. And that's really the issue that I take with some of the apocalypse porn, you know, and I, I question the ethics of somebody writing in such a sensational way or se sensationalizing the collapse. For how many eons have we been seeing romanticization, if you will, of the rapture of the collapse of society, of doomsday, right? We, we have so much media that is built on that premise. This isn't, like I said, it's not new. There's truth in there. There's truth that, you know, things are gonna change. There's truth that things might be really messy. There's truth that things are uncertain. I remember last year, a good friend of mine came to visit me in Santa Fe and, 
I was really struggling last year in some of this rhetoric myself. And I wasn't sure this person was going to want to be my friend anymore because I was challenging some of my more liberal leanings last year around election time. And I've talked a little bit about that. And when she came to visit me, she said, we we got to talking about it. And she said, you know, this is the first year that I found myself starting to associate liberal politics with a potential loss of freedom. And I just thought that was so interesting that that was where we were both kind of at last year. And it really sparked me asking some questions of myself and why I felt that way. And at the end of the day, all I can say right now is again, like, I do think there's, there's truth in all of this that needs to be examined and for each of us to take responsibility for ourselves to unpack it and ask, you know, why am I attracted to this? Why am I repulsed by this? Why do I feel this way about this thing? What's got me scared here? What are the fears that might be driving me in this side? And start to shape it for ourselves. So again, I'm, I'm not writing off anybody's experience. I've definitely had my, my own moments and I still have them of asking questions around loss of liberty, around you know, the American experience in general and, and what could potentially happen if we choose this way over that way. I don't know. But the problem that I have is the idea that things have to completely fall apart in order to get better. I really struggle with that. I really, really have a hard time with that. Yeah, it's it's interesting how I just, I, I kind of question like, why would you want all of these people? Why would you fantasize and or fetishize all of these mm. people dying in order to start over? And the thing I find interesting about the liberal versus conservative politics in the last year and why people found themselves kind of gravitating to the other side is because Republican policy is quite oppressive, you know, but the stance is very about the individual experience and the freedom and the personal freedom and the not having big government, but it, it's not followed through with. Yeah. If you look at what's actually going through Congress and what's actually going through Senate, and if you actually read any of the bills, it's quite the opposite. And it's interesting how, I just find that to be, it's such a bait and switch. I think the same is true for the Democrats in a lot of ways, because I think we preach a lot of liberal ideals, but I think we don't admit to ourselves that we're still very much in a centrist country and we're still very much operating in a centrist government. And that the kind of old guard is still very much in power. And we're not going to see any of this really progressive policy become more of the norm, probably for another few generations. It's going to be more of the same. I mean, listen, I I voted for Biden but he's of the same mindset as, as, you know, the people before him, the people before him. And what I like to see somebody new and, and younger and like a, 
a, a, a Kennedy, not not <laughs> like a Kennedy, competent. Not, someone, not I like to see someone competent of that in family. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> yes, but I mean, in terms of somebody that is relatable to the value system of not the baby boomers. Yeah, totally. However, that's a whole other, again, a whole yeah. other sidebar. I do think that it's interesting, you know, I can't wrap my brain around, I keep going back to this part of the post, but reading something like that is, is traumatizing. It is. And I, that's why I, you know? that's the very first thing that I brought up after I read it again, but read it out loud was that I was trying not to cry when I read it because it was, it's so activating because it brings up so many emotions and it is traumatizing. My nervous system was like, what's happening while I was reading it? Yeah, it's, it really is. It's like what you were saying about being insidious. And I think people just they need to be really responsible with what they're putting out there and the energy they're putting out there. I mean, that's why I find the news to be so disgusting. Yeah. It's because there's no accountability that you're putting hundreds of thousands, millions of people into a constant state of fight or flight all the time. And then we wonder why we're so fucked. I, I just, I, all I'm going to say is I've been staying more and more off of social media. I mean, mm -hmm. we're posting here and there on the Virtuish account when we see something that's great, but I, I have just really scaled back this new project that I'm working on. I'm, I'm really working on making it have next to no digital presence. I'm not a fan anymore. I think that there's good, but it takes me so much work to regulate myself when I'm on the platforms that I just find myself opening it and closing it because it's, I don't have the, the energy for it most of the time. Yeah. And I just think that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see some real changes in terms of having to be more ethical and responsible with how headlines are. I mean, especially any kind of science communication during this pandemic, you would think that we are in March of 2020 at all times. And then you read the article and it's, it's got all the nuance and all the information and all the like balance, but it's, it's, that's not how we're presenting news. And it's a really sick, sick cycle that we've gotten ourselves into. And so on that note, that's been bleeding over into the spiritual community with all of the conspirituality in the pandemic. And, you know, when I read this post, it really reminded me of what I experienced in the past few years, which was being in community where this kind of rhetoric was pushed daily all the time and how fucked my nervous system was because of it and how I'm still I had recovering. to yeah I mean I, ha I had to walk away and distance myself from a lot of people and I literally feel like I've spent the last year just unfucking my brain because I knew I, I never compromised my morals. I always knew what I felt was right and what was true in terms of the information that was coming out there, but just constantly being bombarded with these shocking truths. 
Yeah, these shocks. Thank you. I was like, I don't even know where what how to Just describe like constant it. shocks. Constant yeah. shocks. I mean, that's why I had to stop listening to Guru Jagat because all of a yeah. sudden it's, you know, the politicians are reptiles and they're all these vaccines will give us cancer and they're all out to get us. And it's like, wow, you know, why if you're really concerned, there's plenty of people who our doctors who are working during this, you can speak to them, you know, yeah. they're not uh, in some kind of underground layer. Like they're just at UCLA, you know, you could go right in. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just remarkable how the extreme, the constant exposure to extremism on both yes. sides, on every side, this is not just about one perspective is really damaging to the nervous system. I mean, that's why we started this podcast. That's why I have such a hard time with it is because like you said, I'm still recovering from that experience and how much of that fear rhetoric I was, I had to swallow, you know, and process. And then I finally get to this place where I was like, this is fucked. I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to get the fuck away from these people. Just, I mean, ah. it's really, it's still really hard. I still really, I'm kind of like, what the fuck was that? You know? And uh, I'm still, yeah, I'm still working through my emotions around it. Yeah. I, I definitely am having a similar uh, experience with that and it's exhausting, you know, more than anything, it's just the, the constant stress to my system stripped away so much of my creativity and I've just I've been burnt out since about January of this year that's part of why I came to live out here and just be with people who I know I'm really really safe with because they don't have the they don't have those qualities at all like there's no no part of the people that I'm living with right now that represents really any kind of fear narrative. You know, we have very real conversations about societal changes, about cultural changes, about the economy and things that we might be seeing. We have uh, very real conversations about the environment and climate change and concerns that we have about those topics. My buddy who I live with, he works for the Forest Service and he's a Capricorn, a textbook Capricorn. He is probably the most pragmatic person I've ever known in my life. And there's really no room with him in particular for, well, actually I shouldn't say it that way. Cause he, he is, he's also great because he'll engage me about astrology and, you know, be like, okay, well, how do you, how do you prove this? Or what about this? But then at the end of the conversation, he'll say, oh, well, if the if the point of the framework of astrology is simply to give people language for experiences and for feelings, then it doesn't matter if it's quote real, right? Like he, he's sensible enough to also be able to say like, oh, I understand why that's valuable, even if it, there's no tangible evidence for it, right? But it's great because there's really no room for delusion out here. 
and that's what I needed after, after a year of just constant stress to my nervous system, being surrounded with people. And again, it happened, it happened in such an interesting way because it was being presented to me by people that I trusted and was invested in being in community with people that I looked up to. And it sort of just started to build momentum until finally I was like, what the fuck? I'm out. I'm not doing this. Because even if, and this is where I come from just in general, like even if there is truth in any of this, I'm not, I'm not participating. Correct. I don't care anymore. Even if you're right, even if your conspiracies are correct and we are going to see a total collapse, I don't care. I, I'm out. I'm going to do what I need to do to take care of myself. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's the only uh, way. Yeah. I think what I want to be the takeaway is that each person that writes an article or shares a meme or anything that's kind of jarring to the system, remember that that person is just a person and the information they're sharing is just a snapshot of one piece of information. And there's plenty of good things happening in the world. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. plenty of incredible advancements in technology and science and health and environmentalism and agriculture and all of these things as much as there also is corruption. And I don't know that we'll ever live in a world where there isn't both. And there's also horrific things in the world. I think we just all have to find our balance and also measure that against what our personal experience is. If you're having already a really intensely stressful time, you don't have to then be glued to the news. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be aware of what's happening in the world. And I, I think it's important for people to be aware, but I also think it's, we have to continue to try to keep a well-rounded perspective because right now it feels like the world is a trash can that's on fire and <laughs> that's only partially true is my point <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also think that it's really sensible to recognize that there is fear and that's okay I think that there is a healthy amount of fear right? Like Brene says in the book, we need to kind of befriend our fear to sit down with it and, and really look at it and ask, where is this coming from? One of the questions I ask myself is what's true here? And then finding the middle ground with it, not allowing it as the emotional experience to drive my choices to drive me in my day to day and being aware that things change in an instant and anything is possible and being able to again recognize that uncertainty is okay existing in a place of paranoia is not i reference this like 5 to 6 year time period for me that that was kind of the spark of when I started to really see 
things in a different way, started to question some of my liberal ideologies that I had acquired over the course of about 10 years, because I grew up pretty conservative. And I believe that what it means, what it meant to be a Republican years ago is not the same as what it means to be a Republican now. My mm. politics and my ideologies have evolved. I've been all over the place in the course of my lifetime, but I, as of right now, I think that's what, you know, gives me this perspective that I have. I like the perspective that I have, but I'm still always asking questions and wanting to be curious and trying to redefine uh, how I make meaning and how I make sense of things and what it is that I value all the time and how I can go about living within those values. But I started to really pay attention to what it what was happening societally around that time. This is 2015, 2016, and what was happening with me at the time, my mental health, my journey with fibromyalgia, where I was at, some of the things that I had been taught that I wanted to unlearn, just generally starting to question what was going on around me. And at the same time, I had been dating someone who lived through a very traumatic war and came here on the other side of the war. And he was really representing to me how quickly things can change. And I started to see how vulnerable everything is, everything. And to my credit, I was doing a really good job at the time of being rational with that fear of, okay, we're going to hit some turbulence here in the States. I, I saw it very clearly in that moment. I, I was having a conversation with myself. You know, we always feel like we're so safe, or at least I did growing up American. I always felt like I was so safe, so stable, nothing was going to touch us, whatever. And in that moment, I was having this sort of like come to Jesus, Jesus with myself of this could all look very different and it probably will look very different in five or 10 or 20 years. So what do I personally need to do in order to feel resilient, in order to feel stable, in order to, you know, be okay if, if things are shifting and it gets really messy. And I still feel like it's important. This is, this is, this is my point. This is all I'm trying to say. It's important to be able to look rationally at what's happening around us so that we can take care of ourselves. And I think this is the point that Brene is trying to make in the statement that I read earlier. When you dismiss fear and anxiety as not useful, it causes problems, right? So being able to look rationally at it and say, okay, I have some fear. There may be some truth in this fear and I don't need to let it drive me. I can't let it drive me in fact. So. I guess all I'm really trying to say is it's okay if you're afraid and you know, there are, there are things to be afraid of in life and the human experience. I just don't, I don't think that things have to get as bad as we're, we tell ourselves that they have to get. I love what you said about fear, not dictating your choices. And I think that that is such an underutilized viewpoint so with that, I feel like there's so many decisions I've made in my life based on anxiety or trying to avoid my anxiety or trying to numb it or trying to heal it. 
and or depression or sadness out of fear and and there's a lot of things that scare the shit out of me but I feel like I've stopped allowing them to dictate the choices that I make in my life and that is so relevant to the experience of this pandemic and how people are behaving and and their exploitation of fear and also their their complete dismissal of it of you know this virus isn't real and this pandemic isn't real and you know that's also not healthy either and i would say that that's kind of the same thing just in a different yeah in a different outfit as i like to say i do think that if you are to encounter a uh, a church elder or a spiritual teacher or a mentor or a coach that is teaching and leading through fear and then also subsequently asking you for money run <laughs> run yeah <laughs> run um but really question that person's motives and question their perspective don't just believe everything people tell you the same thing when you're watching the news you know question the stories that you're hearing and and think about why they're being presented the way they're being presented and think about the language they're using and they're trying to scare the shit out of you yep you know and then two minutes later it's commercial break I mean that's not accidental you know that's again we're in we are we are in a sick cycle and I just want to reflect again that that also is the case in spiritual communities and spirituality, even when it comes to food fears, you know, even in yoga, when you're being taught to at all costs, avoid any kind of chemical, any kind of non-organic food, any kind of processed food, which by the way, is not realistic for the majority of people. You know, if you eat a non-organic banana, you're going to be fine. You know, you're going to be just fine. And then, you know, in the same breath, trying to then sell you essential oils or sell you more yoga or so it's just, it's really deep into the way that we're structured fear and money and let me scare you and then let me sell you something. And so just, I just want everybody to keep a, a real healthy eye on that. Anytime I see all or nothing messaging I'm immediately paying attention to that yeah anytime there is this like you this and that's where the concept of virtuish came to me when I was leaving Santa Fe in a blaze of glory you know like later New Mexico thank you so much for holding me while I was sorting this shit out but holy crap I was seeing some behaviors and feeling some feelings last winter through my pursuit of purity that I hadn't seen in eons like prior to lots and lots and lots of therapy and part of it was exactly that I was surrounding myself with fear-based leaders who are very much preaching and teaching and capitalizing on this all or nothing virtuosity that says that if you don't eat all organic you're not pure 
you're not clean, you're not whole, you're not good, you're not going to manifest the things that you want, you're not going to have this or that or whatever. And that's really the issue. It's the all or nothing. If you're reading something and someone is saying society is going to collapse before it can get better, that's an all or nothing belief. I don't like that. So I stay away from it. That's my biggest takeaway, I think, here. Again, I'm really into this both and just doing the best that we can with what we've got in any in any given moment. I think these are really emotional topics for us. And I think we're still really trying to unpack them. And as Kelsey so beautifully said on our last episode, we are still in a pandemic. We're still in active trauma. We're still working through a lot of stuff. And so we are there, you know, right there with everybody. And we're just, uh, you'll be along for the ride with us as we continue to process and try to heal and grow and move forward. Yeah. And it's just, it's never going to be complete in an, in an hour long conversation. There's just too much. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks and then we'll be on Christmas break and then we'll be back for season two. Very exciting. Lots of good stuff coming. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.